Hello. Hello, Marilyn. How are you? Ah, I'm good. I nailed it. You did. You always do. Whoo, got in just under the wire. Nice. Where were mm. you? What was going on up there? Oh, nothing much. You know, I was doing my morning things and, uh, you know, my papers. Uh, you know, just doing all the morning things I do. I- I'm pretty ritualistic in the morning. Yeah. Oh, good. And it's, it's been working out. And uh, I made it into the office a little later than I expected, but uh, I got a seltzer, got a coffee. Your avatar have, is is uh, Beast from Beauty and the Beast TV show, right? Oh yeah, or I whatever the name that of that back. was. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> that's Hellboy back when he was uh, Beauty or Beast. Oh, the same actor. I assume. I think it's yeah. probably like an Army Hammer type situation. <laughs> um, no, I change my avatar for different podcasts sometimes, trying to entertain my uh, co-hosts. No, I like it. Uh, uh, that was, hey, hey, you know what? That was for an episode of Defocused that uh, I did with uh, our friends uh, Dan and Joe, where we talked about the movie Drive, mm. and uh, which is a movie that I really like a lot. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm still kind of getting with it. Yeah, no, I have a ritualistic morning. It's ritualistic. And I, uh, you know, I write things down in my little book. I figure mm-hmm. out the day. I think about things like uh, dinner, because I'm usually a dinner boy. Mm-hmm. And I think about things like, are there any things that need to be done in the house? Right. Are there things that be, need to be taken out? Are there things that need to be brought in? Are there things that need to be moved somewhere else? And that takes me about five hours. I, I have a very extensive uh, workflow. Yeah, that's a long, long time. Yeah. I charge the devices. You're thorough. I check... I'm a good man, mm-hmm. and I do um, I do uh, check for software updates, you know, right. because zero days. I um, you know update the apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you ever get on the uh, iOS 11 beta? No, no, I, mm-hmm. I I waited out these days. I don't have, I don't really have the same kind of access to different devices that I used to before my kids became kind of interested in their own like ipads oh, and you used and, to have like like old phones yeah i did yeah. i did i had like my my 5s now belongs to my son who we don't have it on cellular but he uses it as everything else you would do with a phone except making phone calls basically on wi-fi and so nor my normal mo would have been to take my previous generation phone and run the the beta on it my understanding is the beta is ready to go i mean it seems like everyone's happy with it, but I'm not not ready to take my primary phone to it just yet. Well, uh, yes, you are smart. Um, could we talk about this for a second? It's kind of quick. Yeah. Did you do I, it? I did you did you take? Well, it I think there's there's some wisdom to be gleaned, and I think there's some interesting data points out there. Um, you know, there are those people uh, like our friends who like to say you should never run the beta unless you have to. I have to because it's my job. Right. And like I get that, but like if you have another device to run it on. You could consider doing that. You can consider dropping a hundred bucks and getting the developer account, or you could wait for the public betas. What I would say is, the smartest thing that I can say is really be circumspect about running a beta if you only have one device, especially if you, if it's your phone. I know that sounds obvious, but like you know, and, and it kind of gets to the second part of this. So, if like if you have an, an any other device that you can run it on, um, or if you are considering running it on your sole mm-hmm. or primary device. You've got to really ask yourself, you know, this combination of questions about the practicality of that. And in particular, based on what I've seen 
um, is this likely to fix an ongoing problem that I've had for a long time? Oh, right. and, 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 at the, and again, at the risk of breaking things that currently work. And I think for most people, that's unless you've got something catastrophic where you're just not using a device anymore, but you think it might be some bug, there's some critical thing you do that's a corner case, in which case that's worth trying, especially if it's a secondary device. Uh, in the case of iOS 11, it seemed clear to me that, for me personally, there was not much benefit in running it on my phone for the above stated reasons, but also because it wasn't adding that much, that much to the phone that would offset the risk. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally do. I think, and it, again, I'm nowhere near the expert in iOS and what the new features are, uh, iOS 11, but it seems like the big wins, the big features are more focused on the iPad than they are on uh, on the iPhone as far as like the big things that we watched in the uh, at the event. Maybe I'm... No, uh, I mean, um, that I agree with you, and that entirely informed my reasoning um, on deciding what to do. So, I mean, I've got like three devices around that I use. I've got a phone and uh, a couple iPads that are, that are mostly mine. And uh, I don't know, the, the phone thing, like, I mean, I'm just repeating myself at this point, but like, that's an easy no for me. If you look at that as a matrix of like, you know, um, risk benefit analysis or however you want to think of it, like, is there, is my tolerance for risk and, uh, you know, how much I'm going to actually use or need this thing, could, could that be affected by something that's a showstopper? Right. Especially in the first one or two. I mean, I got on with beta, beta two, beta three, but I did it on my iPad. Sure. And I did it on my newer iPad because I thought that was worth it. I've got another one around if anything goes horribly wrong. But there were definitely benefits, and I absolutely wanted to get my hands on the new features with you know having two apps up and stuff like that. And it's been great, with the exception of. And we're going to get to the interesting facts in a second. Uh, beta one, beta. Two. I got on beta two. It was okay. Better beta two on iPad Pro was way better than I had expected. Like, mm. It was it was good. Uh, beta three came along. And I was thinking, oh, this will be good. Maybe it'll fix some little problems. And I and the only other person I've talked to personally who had this was Russell uh, from Shifty Jelly had this same problem, which was um, that Wi Fi just goes off after a few minutes. Ooh. And a it can be temporarily fixed with a full you know hard restart, like bring the Apple up. Uh, but then it comes, you know, just pops back up in a couple minutes and or it would just cycle into restarts for no reason. So for about a week, well, really more like two weeks while beta two was the only one out. I was like, mm, I'm not going to use this one too much because it was just too annoying. Beta three came out, worked great for me. Now, here's where we get to the interesting facts. The experiences that people have had with a given version of the beta mm-hmm. on a variety of devices the differences in what people are getting is staggering. And I saw this yesterday when our friend Marco said, beta three on the iPhone, I think he said something like, it's like maybe the, the most, like the, not worse, but like most unstable, like least working beta that I can remember on iOS. And I was like, uh, you know, that's funny because on my iPad Pro, three fixed a ton of problems and including a, a near showstopper. And, and then lots of people just had real different experiences. Uh, this is not super interesting, but I, I think that's the nature of a beta is different things are getting fixed different places, causing different regressions. 
And I'm sure that must vary tons, especially with the changes they're making. You know, don't you imagine there's a lot of moving parts, things affecting other things maybe you couldn't anticipate? Of course, yeah. Especially because so much of it involves new interaction or updated interaction models for mm-hmm. how we do things with dragging. And I, I, you know, you remember one of the most amazing things in Steve's, Steve's demo was the scrolling. Like we never, now today that seems like table stakes, but back then the idea of your finger swiping down a screen and it wasn't like a, using a chumby like that. Right. Incredible. We had, we had the, the most of the scrolling that we had, you were using, if you were lucky, some kind of little hardware wheel on the side of the device, or maybe you had one of those little, um, four point joysticks type type deals a little joy pad type thing that would let you scroll up and down i mean nobody was putting their finger on a phone and scrolling something I, just, no well, one it was usually to that. like press it might be to press an on-screen button right <clears throat> but the idea of like what came to be called multi-touch you know i don't i don't think that existed or if it existed it was it's not nearly as smooth so i mm-hmm. guess all i'm saying is and now you look at you know, you know me. I don't notice these things as much as other people. I mean, I like Retina. I now I have to say honestly, with a couple of years of using Retina, it is weird to go look at my wife's MacBook Air. It just it looks like an Atari game to me. But uh, in the case of this <laughs> new scrolling on the new iPad, uh, it is it, it is noticeable. It's it's like milky smooth, but I, I don't notice it nearly as much as some people do. But again, that, when you're tuning new software for this new way of interacting and new hardware i don't think you have to be a developer to be sympathetic about Mm -hmm. the fact that there's going to be lots of little bumps to that yeah um so you know this disclaimer i would never suggest that people run a beta without doing all this nine minutes of talking we've done about due diligence on your own part but it, it is really neat i mean it's it's bumpy in some ways but there's just some pretty magical stuff um when you're doing it on an ipad pro and stuff that like, it's, it's, you know, I've always said, or I feel like I've always said that Apple at their best in some ways, in terms of the hardware interaction, Apple, I feel like Apple gets me most excited when I, I do something without having read about it or known about it. I just try something and it does exactly what I expected. Like that, that still feels magical to me. That, that feels like care to me. Mm-hmm. So like right now, one nice thing is that the, the dock can hold a whole bunch of apps. So if there, especially apps that you're going to use for dragging around to create new windows or conversely the things you use a lot. You have a lot more room in there now. And as you've seen in the demo, you know, if you're in an app, you just bring up the dock and then you just drag something over to the right and you've got two apps up. That's so cool. But but the one, I don't know if this has been in there all along, but I think it was when Fraser Spears was talking about like how clunky it was in some cases to really use this. Like we really, really use this the way he really, really uses it. It's, it's still pretty clunky, but there's one pretty bananas thing you, you can do where you go into spotlight. Let me get this right. You go into spotlight, you search for an app, you find the app, it comes up. And so you basically press and hold the icon you move like with your thumb. We were saying in my case, my right thumb. I drag that off to the side with another finger, continuing to hold down with your right hand, bring up the dock, open an app, and you still are holding the icon for the app you search for in Spotlight. You can drag that now next to the app you just opened, even if it's not the most recent app. And now you, you got two apps up, which is kind of mind bending yeah. to me that, yeah. that, that that actually does work and I, there have there are lots of times now where especially for certain you know you know how it is with an ipad and trying to do real work you have certain use cases that you do over and over and over or like if i'm flipping out about politics on twitter i will frequently have like twitter and tweetbot open because i'll use them for different things yeah 
But especially doing stuff like show notes, it's just super handy to have. So like I will have Safari up on the left and editorial up on the right. I can be looking at stuff in Safari. And then when I want to grab a link, I just run a workflow on it that creates a markdown link, copy that, and I can paste it right over into the um, editorial. I think it's I think it's a good release. It's you know, once it gets totally tweaked for you know, battery and stuff like that, and those final tweaks for efficiency. I think this is going to be a very impressive release. I do too. I think there's a lot going on here. I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And of course, we're not even talking about the hardware uh, that might come out in September, all these rumors that are starting to swirl around. But just the, just those of us who have our devices and like them already, they're going to get a lot better. And uh, yeah. the things that you highlighted are, the for me, what seems like the, the big wins, especially for iFad, iFad, iFad iPad mm-hmm. folks, uh, where these are the things that we're, we're sitting there looking at these iPads and we're saying, this would be, I could use this thing as my main computer when I'm maybe not doing this one kind of work over here or this one kind of work over here. This could be my main thing if it just made it a little easier to do X, Y, and Z. And they're, Apple's clearly working on that. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, they seem to be... I think they've heard – it's hard to know what they've heard or what they – because, I mean, they're, they're smart people. They don't need random opinions. But, like, I – you know, the, clearly Steve and company, especially Steve, thought the iPad was going to be the future, that that was, that was the interaction model and the device form factor that he'd always wanted. And, of course, it's well-documented. They actually were trying to make the iPad before they made the iPhone, et cetera, et cetera. That, that, that's the thing he always wanted to make. Um, but then it did languish. You know, the hardware – got pretty stale. Um, the software was not seeing for the last couple of years, you weren't seeing big leaps forward that were especially for, you know, iPad. And I, I do feel like they're, they're still, I think they're playing a pretty long game with this. Yeah, I do too. I, and, and that's that if, if we've collectively been watching what Apple's been doing, they really are playing a long game with this, whether it's switching, uh, you know, dropping the headphone jack, little things like that, that, you know, these are things that are going to take a long time and they're clearly easing us into a new way of thinking about their devices and working with the things that uh, that they're building. But at the same time, I think they're easing themselves into it to some degree, too, because, you know, what what Apple is clearly trying to avoid is what went on when they went from iOS five to iOS six, uh, which was this big huge jarring change to uh, an operating system that eventually would be a whole lot better because they had to kind of start from scratch with it in a lot of ways especially the user interaction part but where you know it, it went from i had this in ios 5 i don't have this anymore in ios 6 uh, seven did a much better job but we were already on six by that point and again hmm. people are willing to to trust Apple with this. They, Apple has the best adoption rate of the new version of the operating system than any of the competitors, and that's for a reason. But they also, not, not only because they make it so easy to update, but because I think that, uh, especially since iOS 6, the platform that they're building on allows them to roll out these kinds of changes in ways that here are a whole bunch of new features that are going to really help you, things that you're really going to like. But we're doing our best not to change the way that you use the things that you like to use. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, the, it's a very, I think that's a much harder balance to strike than, uh, than maybe we realize. Mm. It is, it is difficult, but also you think about what, I don't know, I don't know anything about Android, but, you know, my sense is that that has really taken hold as the primary uh, commodity consumer operating system for right. for phones. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently, you know, there are difficulties with getting people to update. And sometimes, you know, maybe your hardware won't run it or there's these arbitrary reasons. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um I, I guess I just I, I agree with you. I think people do trust Apple with this stuff, especially when you know it's not like we need to be patted on the head every week. But like you know, as long as it isn't something where two and a half, three years go by without talking about a product, because that makes right. people understandably nervous, as we've talked about. Oh, definitely. But you know, I, I there's all kinds of stuff that just amazes me. When I I mean, there's several people I know who regularly or always record their podcasts in Ferrite on the iPad, which still seems like a really mental to me seems like a parlor trick but they do it and it works and they've got plugins and they can do what they need to or there are people who are doing more and more of the work up to that last mile of the work right sure on a device so I, there's i got all kinds of feelings about this uh, mostly just based on you know my own changes in this stuff where mm-hmm. i don't i don't see any time where i'm not going to want to have a computer cuz i i like using a computer but like the macbook adorable that i bought hmm. i still i've had it for six months and i'm still not used to the keyboard i still the arrow keys still confuse me every day um i think it takes a long time of getting used to using something like the ipad on a regular basis to to go you know let's stop talking about this in terms of like what's going to go away forever i still need a fax machine sometimes right. it's right. 2017 no that's it's not that it's going to go away it's just that it seems advisable to at least look at like you know, what could I get from this if I open my mind up to the idea that, that things can change and, and do change? Uh, Gruber linked to a, a funny uh, XKCD comic today. And it's basically a, a graph of, you know, home Wi-Fi reliability to cellular data reliability. And I, I guess I would take out the home part. I would just say Wi-Fi reliability and how that's been like, you haven't seen huge leaps and bounds in Wi-Fi. Whereas like with cellular, I mean, here's the obvious one. How often do you, I don't know if you're, you're a weirdo like me, but when I go to a hotel and they've got Wi-Fi, uh, the very first thing I do is run speed test mm-hmm. on yep. Wi-Fi yep. versus Absolutely. LTE. And except in very unusual cases, the LTE is almost always faster. So depending on where I am in the month and how much data I've used, I might go one way or the other. If you are going to run over Wi-Fi, you know, get a VPN, please. Um, but in this case, he's got this fight I put in Where should notes. they get, what VPN should they get? I don't know. Um, I what do you I've use? Been, well, I use and like Cloak, and I've used that I think for over a year now. But the buzz on the street is that no, what you really want is let me pull this up because I do have a link to, to try this out. Um, but but the word on the street is you want to get someplace that is like logging nothing and mm-hmm. has like you know there's been lots of reviews out there of. Um, like on one of the, I think on Torrent Freak, they, they do regular comparisons of different VPN services. Uh, and they'll walk you through like what the policies are and which ones sort of, you know, they can recommend. What's the thing on my list to try out? There's one I heard about. I think Marco mentioned this one. Oh, man, why can't I find it? I will, I'll edit all this out. I mean, this show will never air. <laughs> uh, I can't find it. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, no, here it is. Ah, surf anonymously online with VPN services from Cactus. Cactus VPN. Cactus. 
Cactus. That's the next one I'm going to check out. I'll and put those. Lots. I will put those into the show notes, which will be found at five by five TV slash B is in brothers. Two is in the number W is in women slash three, three, five, three, three, five. And and so anyway, like, so the joke in the XKCD comic is uh, he's got this graph of like connecting to Wi-Fi. It got like way better starting in like 2005. And it's mostly kind of not changed that much. Whereas cellular from 2007 has just gone way up. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, I don't have a dog in that fight. It's just, he says, it seems weird from a networking point of view, but sometime in the last few years, this flipped for me. Meaning that cellular started to get, and I think when, when like if, like I, I got an Eero, thank you Eero, disclosure they sent it to me, uh, that works great, but like it's rare for me to be in a place with a the kind of speed that I get. I don't have FiOS, but I've got 150 megabit down. That kind of speed, which translates to like usually around 40 to 60 at least on Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. um, to have that speed and that reliability, where I can go out, I can go across the street and still be getting. Uh, my Eero reception, but like anywhere else, like, I don't know how people live. It's not just slow. It's the consistency of the speed. That's where you start to feel like really insane. The other reason I mention it here is, well, you know, who to thunk it? Like who would have guessed that five or 10 years ago? And like, is, is this just a random data point about changes in technology? Kind of maybe, but also doesn't that start to change the way you think about something like an iPad? Like what if you're looking at a future where if this curve is anything like this same pattern for the next 10 years, like, why, sure, Wi-Fi will probably improve, and it'll be solid, and you'll still use Wi-Fi because it's cheaper. But, like, all of a sudden, if you've got a device that in five years is getting you the download speeds that you currently can only get on Wi-Fi, that becomes very interesting. Mm-hmm, very. Larger devices, more very. stuff. I guess this is all just part of this mega pattern of, like, you know, Merlin 12.0 of, like, just keep your eyes open about what's actually happening rather than what you need or expect to have happen. You know, you'll you'll make smarter decisions about stuff if you take into account that the world changes and like the way that your paradigm for how you arrive at your understanding of any technology, computers or otherwise, philosophy, mm-hmm. like the way you came at that, like if you had the same feeling about relationships with the opposite sex that you had when you're 11, <laughs> update, you know, right. at least get to that of like a 15 year old, a little more woke <laughs> as they say. But like, you know, just because that was your first exposure to it, like doesn't mean that's how, how you have to behave, think and operate for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Very the true. more you know. <laughs> also, I heard about, here's other good things. We talked about better, right? We talked about the browser. The browser thing. better? Uh, the browser, uh, I feel like, I know we talked about it on Do By Friday. I can't remember if we talked about no, it. I don't, I don't at, think I've ever talked to that. Uh, it's better. A better browser.org, right? Better.xyz, better.fyi. That's it, better.fyi. That's a weird one. And I'm, I'm using this now instead of uh, that other one. Well, look at this. The yeah, web re- tracker free. Okay. That's a good one to check out. Put that one in notes. Yep, going in. Um, they're pretty radical about saying, well, you know, this isn't going to be this ha-ha and nudge you in the ribs thing. No, this is war. Like, we are going to do <laughs> extraordinary things to make sure that you are not tracked and that you see a normal web page. Um, and the hooker by crook, and they're updating this thing a lot. Uh, so this is not a free app, by the way. It's uh, $5, right? I think so. I think it's you know, four ninety nine on the App Store. And you, I have you, it on iOS, and I have it on Sierra. And you like it? Doesn't work it. for Chrome. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. It doesn't work. They don't. It's not available for Chrome, but it's available for mobile and desktop Safari. And um, 
I mean, I, I would say check it out, but you know, you have to buy it. But if you're the kind of person who looks for things like this, you know, get your VPN app, get you get you one of these. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. What was my other piece of recommendation? I also heard about an alternative to AAA called Better World Club that I want to check out. Better World Club. Dot com. Dot com. R in theaters. Now playing. Yeah. Because mm. apparently AAA are jerks. They, they are? Yeah, I mean, I haven't done my due diligence. That's why it's still in my raw reminders file and not an actionable item. But, but word on the street is that AAA does a lot of lobbying for mm. stuff that's not automobiles. Mm-hmm. Like lobbying against pedestrian stuff, lo- lobbying against – anyway – so you don't want to give me your money. Yeah, I haven't Literally. been a AAA member for a very, very, very long time. Cars are so much more reliable now. Yeah, I mean, it used to be that like everybody that I knew had to have you had to have AAA because mm-hmm. you know we didn't have we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have reliable cars, and those that combination made for huge concern. If you were on the side of the like, you're screwed, man. Also, cars just used to break sometimes. They did. I mean, if you keep your car like a normal like car you've bought especially a new car that you've bought or leased in the last 10 years oh boy that's a different world than what i grew up with like we're, even if you bought even or especially if you bought a fancy car you were constantly getting it looked at i had a friend whose dad had a had a mercedes and was just like everything had to be checked regularly right, it was a, a, shop, to do it a at, shop car they used to call it you got to do it at the dealership or you void your lease. It costs like, you know, a couple hundred bucks just to change the oil and cars would just break sometimes, you know, the power yeah. windows would stop working. The eight <laughs> right. track wouldn't work anymore. It just happened like after a year of having a car. Yeah, it used to happen. And I think we're in much better car kind of a situation, but still, I, I know so many people. I saw this. It just broke my heart the other day. There was a guy you know, about our age and uh, he was in a parking lot and it was clear that, you know, the way that he had parked and how he had pulled in and his posture and everything else, his car had a problem and he was sort of standing outside the car. And this is, this is Austin, Texas in the summer. It's 102 degrees out. Oh God. And I'm looking over there and I could see that he had uh, a flat tire and he's, you could tell he was in the, in the waiting pose of, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for help. And, you know, one of the things that occurred to me is I wonder how many, like for me, I didn't have a dad around to like teach me how to do things. So I made it my own mission, personal mission to learn all of those things on my own because I knew that they were, these were things that were knowable, whether Uh it's replacing an electrical socket changing your oil, swapping a tire when you get a flat, um, you know, all of the basic things that a, uh, uh, a an urban survivalist homeowner would need to know. You know what I'm saying? And so I've made it uh, a mission of mine to teach both of my kids how to do those kinds of things. So whenever something breaks, I'm like, okay, guys, come on over here. I'm going to show you how to fix this. And, you know, in some cases they can help. In other cases, they just sit there and maybe they're a little bit bored, but I make them watch anyway, because what I want them to know, even if the takeaway for them isn't, um, I'm going to learn today how to do this, that they know in their mind, 
this is something I could do because my dad did this. When something broke, my dad fixed it and I could learn to fix it. We, you know, the, the amount of times that we actually have to call someone out to fix something are for things like, oh, yeah, man, we, we, our air conditioning blew out. Like, I'm not going to try and mess with an air conditioning. We'll get someone right. to do that. Or a pipe burst, and that happened once. I'm not going to try and fix the pipe, but I sure do know how to turn off the water at the street, and I'm going to have my kids watch me take the key out and do that. You know, so, like, especially, but especially changing a tire, I, it, as dumb as it is, um, like a Christmas story, you know, where he's like, Fudge. time time me. But he's like, time me. You know, right. I have my kids time me when I do because I I've gotten flat tires and I can do it in, you know, in under five minutes. And, um, you know, and they learn that that's something that you have to do. But the idea of being like uh, like an, an adult person with a, who owns a car, then you're just stranded because you have a flat tire. Like, I don't want my kids to be. I know this is a bit of a tangent from where we were going, but huh. it just it occurs to me that there are these what I consider to be sort of basic, <laughs> basic urban survival skills that um, that people just don't you just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the idea that you'll sit on the side of the road in your car because you have a flat tire, you don't know how to do it. It's easy. It's easy to do it. And you don't have to be physically strong to do it. And, you know, like. All of these things are things that you can you can know and you can do, and I don't really know exactly why I was thinking about this uh, based on what you said, but yeah. Oh, because we were talking about AAA, in, yeah, in AAA, car service. yeah. So you know, like AAA, like there's going to be some things where your car just isn't working anymore, and you got to get it towed for sure. Um, well, that's that's the, with AAA. I mean, it's it, it got to be very very simple. Um, as I our my understanding of and relationship with AAA has changed a lot since the late 1980s. Um, late 1980s, uh, I got it because I had a, at that time, God, it wasn't that old. I had it too. I had AAA too. I had a 20-year-old, I had an almost 20-year-old van. And uh, I got AAA to tow me places so often that I eventually got the letter. You get the letter from AAA where uh-huh. they're like, uh... We're not a taxi service. Like, you got to quit using us so much. Like, we're going to cut you off. So, I mean, back then it was like flat tire, gas, but like maybe they could fix a hose for you or something like that. Because what was it? It was basically a subcontracted, like a filling station or a service station, as you used to say, will come out and help you. By the time we stopped having AAA in the 2000s, it was like they had gotten real weird about what and like how they would tow where they didn't want to have to tow it or have you ever had them come out you know, listeners where they go they want to push your car instead of hook it up because of insurance <laughs> reasons no that's happened to me at least that's twice t- we're like we're just going to push you to a gas station or how do they do that they've got the big bumper thing on there and i guess the liability is different if you, they're pushing you rather than pulling you no kidding I, wow but you know it's uh it's it got to where like okay you know what you do you pop for the AAA, the super AAA, like where they'll tow you like a hundred miles or whatever. Like that's, that's good to have in your pocket. Cause the thing is you pay 150 bucks for that or whatever it is. That's going to be way less than getting towed from Anaheim. Seriously. Or something like yeah. That. Yep. But anyway, you know, something I didn't learn until I was already really learning it, um, was the value of the liberal arts. And it's been a while since I've done this rant, but one of my favorite things about going to college and go to, li- going to liberal arts school you know, I guess it's not like I walked out with a lot of, especially at the time, what people at the time would have thought at as as marketable skills. I ended up getting marketable skills secondary or tertiarily by learning computers. But 
the the thing about liberal arts as a platform you know in my own summary and don't at me my own summary of the liberal arts is you learn how to learn mm. you learn what is knowable you learn where to find information you learn how to find information you learn how to vet information and then once you get kind of good at it you learn how to synthesize information and the beauty of that is like that's just like that's like the most giant beautiful water glass because now anything can go in that no matter where you go it's like you know, meeting people who've been in the army like just they just know how to do stuff because they're used to like okay tell me what the plan is right here's how you execute a plan right and they don't have to sit around and, and like have a dark night of the soul about how they're going to do their laundry because they've been through all this a million times battle or otherwise it could just be like you're the freaking cost accountant like in the army and like you still like know how to do stuff and that's what i love about the liberal arts is because like now maybe like i, I get to make the occasional like you know Heraclitus and Parmenides joke, <laughs> or like I can drop a little Kierkegaard, like I just did a minute ago. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, actually, that was Walt Whitman, probably. Anyways, <laughs> you can mix up your references at a high and level. No one else knows. No one will know. Yeah, no, no one cares. That's the beauty part. <laughs> but like that's, I mean, to me, that's the neat. The thing that I maybe because of my stupid mindset and my contrary nature, even as a child. But like I got mad about school. Because I thought it was dumb. It seemed useless. It seemed utterly unintegrated. And any attempt to integrate information felt like some kind of a special project mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody come up with. It didn't have any real value. It's like, oh, we're going to learn the metric system. We're going to not learn, you know, the metric system. We're going to learn Planck's constant. We're going to, you're going to learn this. You're going to learn that. Here's the history test. Here's the next history test. And there was never any sense of like continuity or overflow or like the Venn diagram of big ideas. But that's – I wish I'd had exposure to that notion um, about education and pedagogy, the ability to self-learn. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I'd learned that lesson yes, earlier because yes. I think I'd be better at it today. I would have been a, a less horrible person earlier but to, like, <laughs> st- to, to start getting some kind of a foothold into this idea that like people out there who know stuff, they're not, they're not necessarily geniuses. You know, like lawyers are not always the smartest people in the world, but they're really good at being lawyers because most lawyers were good liberal arts students. They had to read a lot, synthesize a lot of information and then cram. And then in their case, like deal with big changes. And so I don't know. That's that's the thing with um, it's like, you know, Einstein's old quote about like what he doesn't need to know because he can look it up in a book. Those those skills. Uh, this is. I'm getting back to what you were saying. Finally, but like there was that. There's that list. Who was it? Norman Mailer says every man should know how to skin a deer and build oh, a right, hat right, and right. like all that kind of like. <laughs> you should know how to like smoke some ribs and lift a car and like fight a war and. But you know what? I mean, there is dress when, a goat. when when I compare the things that I know how to do, whether it's around the house or with a car or whatever, it's more than most of the other people that I know. Um, I not all, but most and. And what I don't know about like actual survivalist skills, like if we went off the electrical grid for a month uh, and couldn't just drive to the Whole Foods to get, you know, uh, macaroons, <laughs> um, I- I'm woefully unprepared for that kind of situation. But I know it. At least I know how unprepared <laughs> I am, you know. But like those kinds of things, like I had a friend uh, I used to work uh, for him in, in, in his company. He had a hosting company. And he, uh, I guess at some point, just got kind of fed up with technology and decided that he didn't want to do 
He didn't want to be CEO of a technology company anymore. Uh, and instead, what he wanted to do was like learn survivalist skills that would help him when the end times came. And he became he studied and then became an EMT and was an EMT for like a year, like driving around at 2 a.m., you know, like rescuing people. He wanted to learn those kinds of life saving skills. And then he went and bought land and started raising like like hogs and other animals and like learned how to like raise animals and run a farm and fix machinery and um, and like skin animals and stuff. But like he came out of that a completely different person but he you know for him i and i don't know if this was kind of pushed on because he believed the end times were coming or simply because he was completely burnt out on technology or what but you know he completely changed the way that he lived his life and you know and he's living in very much a way that i think a lot of people were living a couple hundred years ago especially people in rural areas you know and I think that's certainly to an extreme, but just listening to him talk about the stuff that he does on a daily basis that has to do with, you know, it's amazing how if you're trying and there's, there's a TV show I'm watching, which maybe this is also on my mind. It's called uh, life below zero. Have you seen that? Mm -mm. Uh, It's on Netflix. It is a, it is a, a TV show. I guess they've got three or four seasons of it down now where it talks about the people who live, uh, like north well some are south but uh north of the arc circle um uh and and they're like living in these conditions where they might be like a subsistence hunter and uh and it's i'll I'll see if i can find a link to it um but it's a fascinating show and when you watch how much time and energy these people who are living in the alaskan bush put into just just getting just getting by in a day how much time effort and energy they spend in obtaining food and uh and preparing the food and making their own clothing and things like that like as i'm sitting there like on the sofa i'm like wow like this like the idea of spending most of my days obtaining and preparing and managing food like that's such a yeah. if you think about animals living in nature, most of their time is spent avoiding being coming food and finding food. And yeah. we've changed so much from that. Uh it's just fascinating. But I highly recommend this show. It's on Netflix. It's called Life Below Zero, and I have put it into the show notes. Um But I'll tell you, Triple A. Yeah, I hmm admire too strong a word. I think it's fine. <laughs> Uh, to do those things, I would say another route um, is to just like me have less of a will to live. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, it's it's so much work to try and stay alive. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it's not going to matter soon. And um, you know, this season soon, of Game soon of because we don't, season of Game of Thrones is really good. Yeah. Soon because we don't uh, live very long or soon because the end times are almost here. Oh, 100%. 100 You think, man, mm, I, I, had a, I had a relative who is a big believer in the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. I told you this story. And this relative, part of this relative's job was to go to the uh, night depository. You'll remember back in the day, if you were had a retail place, you know, we, retail work, you would have to take the deposit for the day, right? You take all that cash and checks, you jam it into your pants. 
and then you go, uh, you know, nine o'clock, it's dark out. You go to the uh, go to the Bank of America, drop it into the night depository. Right. And so my, this relative, who was not a young person, said that they were going to, you know, they had a they had a gun. They would always take a pistol with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is somebody in their sixties or seventies. Okay. At the time. Yeah. I said, you know, um, hmm, seems like there's a lot of ways in which that's maybe not the smartest thing. Not least of which is, you know, uh, the person who has planned out the evening and canceled other things to be at the Bank of America to rob somebody of cash is probably kind of a hungrier critter than you are. Yeah. Especially at age 60 or 70. Yeah, is there? I'm, I'm put myself out there. I wouldn't want to do this, but like, is there a chance they could just take that uh, pistol away and just hit you with it until you're on the ground and stuff, and then just walk away? Like, do you really? Do you really think? And, and that's how I feel about having too much will to live in the end times. I, I will be either making sandwiches for people or be made into sandwiches, <laughs> uh, probably within a, a weekend. I would do like a, I would do like a, a half scaramucci um, before I would just be donezo. <laughs> yeah. So really, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is make your life good. Go out there. Let 10,000 flowers bloom. But, you know, a little less will to live. It's one to grow on. Dan, would you like to tell me about something that you like? Sure thing. I can tell you all about Mac Weldon. Oh, I like a good, I like a good Mac Weldon. I'm wearing two pieces of Mac Weldon. What are you wearing? I'm not telling. Oh, they're private. It's daddy's secret. Private things. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that I wear almost every day. Uh, it's, uh, it's the, it's, what is the name of it? It's their really cool long sleeve t-shirt. Yes. That is, I've been a long sleeve t-shirt man for quite a long time. I have now turned a corner. I've spent an irresponsible amount of my own money on these shirts. They're not cheap, but boy, are they ever good. I don't want to wear, I literally don't want to wear anything else. I will not tell you how many of these I own, but I have enough to make it through a cycle of laundry, changing these mostly every day. <laughs> and they are, they are terrific. And, I'll wear, and you know what I'll do? I'll wear me a Mack Weldon white undershirt underneath it because it's got the long tail. It's mm-hmm. like that, uh, that Chris Anderson article. You get a long tail, it stays in your panties, it goes, goes all the way down, and you put you a, a long sleeve shirt on top of that. That's right. You got you to bundle up there in San Francisco. You want to stay warm. It's all warm. about the layers. Layers. You got to be able to layer. Yeah. Well, Can uh, we find out what this thing's called. Find out because maybe I need to get I need to get one for the very very cold Austin winter. Ooh. You know. Uh, but oh, there's the Pima. There's the Pima. I, and I just want to point out. I just want to say the socks. They have the low socks. I'm a big fan of low socks. I buy the ank- I buy the calf socks. You do? I pull them all the way up, and then I do a little flip at the top. That's my little secret. Nice. Oh, I love them so much. I got the blue and gray. Don't be creepy. Well, they have. I just. I want to. I want to dwell on the socks for one second. Dwell, dwell. Because here in Texas, we wear we wear shorts a lot. I'm. Uh, I go to the gym several times a week, three times a week, and nothing's worse than when you got the socks sticking out of your uh out of your sneakers when you're wearing a pair of shorts nobody wants to see that Mm-mm. and mac weldon you would think would have addressed this with a pair of socks that uh that would do that but that's actually not the case at all mac weldon has addressed it with three different kinds of socks no show invisible and athletic all of which uh are of varying degrees very well hidden inside of the sneaker if you really want to go invisible then you get the invisible ones it looks like you're not wearing socks at all i abhor the idea of not wearing socks inside of a inside of a, a sneaker now you want to go the the top side of route 
Sperry, that's fine. You're on a boat and you don't want to wear socks with that, of course. But any other situation, you must have socks, please. So they, they have made not one, but three different kinds of socks that you can address this. In addition to uh, the shirts, the undershirts, the they have swimwear now that they've added in, which is really oh, great. Oh, really? Yeah, they got wow. board shorts, they got swim trunks, they got uh, everything you want for swimming now, which is going to come in handy really all the time. And I recommend everyone go check this thing out. They started really, I think they, they got their fame with their really comfortable uh, underwear. They got the boxer briefs. They got the trunks. They got uh, you name it. Every size you want to go. There's a difference between trunks and uh, and boxer briefs. If you don't know what they are, that's fine. Go to MacWeldon.com and, uh, and jump in. It's so easy to shop around in there. It's so easy to buy stuff in there. And, uh, you know, they're confident that you're going to like it. If you don't like the, your first pair, they let you keep it, and they still refund you, no questions asked. They've got the silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. I mean, you name it, they've got it. They've got the hoodies if you live in San Francisco. Everything is set up for you there at MacWeldon.com. If you use the promo code back to work, one word spelled out, back to work, you will get 20% off. Anything that you get over there, over at MacWeldon. So go visit MacWeldon.com, use the promo code back to work, and uh, we sure do appreciate their support. Thanks, MacWeldon. Buck, buck. Pima, long sleeve t shirt, comma, true black, comma, large. Mm. But you should get the size that fits you. Oh, I love this. I put it into show notes. Dan, yes. uh, please go to, uh, go to inspirobot.me. I was looking at the show notes before the yes. show began, and uh, my quote here, may I read it? Yeah, read it. When we can lose sleep over transactions of bodily fluids, we can interfere with the sky. Mm, what's the photo? It is uh, a. It looks very much like the Windows uh, 10 background with the uh, hill, the grassy hill with the sky, beautiful sky with clouds, blue sky. Mm. Do you have a good one? Yes. Uh, so just explain Inspirobot is a, is a Oh, wonderful... we have to explain it? We can't just do quotes. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it creates those things you see on Tumblr where somebody takes a stock photo and then puts some inspiring words over it, except it's randomly generating what the inspiring phrase is and randomly adding a given stock photo. So this is a lady with an umbrella smiling and flying through the air. And it says, when you require to destroy your mistakes, be ready to clap your hands. Mm, it's really, really so something. good and it's the combination of the image and the words yes. uh, that there's one here that I did uh, which shows it's looking over the shoulder of somebody who's uh, standing on a football field and in the background slightly blurred are the football players and it says scientists never lose oh so it's really so true I just sent you one of a guy, um, again, holding up an umbrella with some kind of red cloud of dust coming out from under the umbrella. And it just says, says in big letters next to it, it's never too late to cry. <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. It's really true. I love it. Uh, is that in show notes? Let's put it in show yeah, notes. Yeah, it's in Inspirobot. there. It's in there. Dot me. I am an artificial intelligence dedicated to generating unlimited amounts of unique inspirational quotes for endless enrichment of pointless human existence. And it's got a green look, good looking howl, like a howl eye, nine thousand eye, yeah. Um, uh, here's here's one of a lady with a flower on the beach, and it says, "Just because you're a killer doesn't mean that you're not happy." 
<laughs> uh, well, another AI uh, thing uh, that I put in, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure if you put that in because of the link that I put in ahead of it, or uh, if it was purely coincidence, which I'm hoping it was. But over on a site called Board Panda, they have an article uh, that's um, Amazon AI designed to create phone cases terribly malfunctions and fills the store with 31,000 plus hilarious products. Did you look oh, at this? Oh no. Look, no, look at, look I haven't at the seen link. this. I want I think this is right up your alley because oh, it's Oh my god. Yeah. I'll let you uh, peruse it. Oh my god. So Oh my goodness. <laughs> it says my handy design is creator still unknown was a bot programmed to fetch frequently searched images, turn them into iPhone 6 cases and put them up for sale. The bot's algorithm somehow went rogue, however, and began scouring images so bizarre that we can only assume they came from the darkest, most depraved corners of the internet. Uh, But it has gone out there, and it it says it's created thousands of phone cases displaying everything from marinated herring rolls to cocaine, and customers are having a field day with the reviews. And uh, The first one is amazing. (laughs) Please read it. Okay, item number one. Adult diaper worn by an old man with a crutch. Cell phone cover case, iPhone 6. <laughs> that is glorious. Oh, there's a strap-on dingus. Yes. Okay. Oh, vaginal discomfort, cell phone cover case. Yeah. Oh, my the, God. And there's an old woman with asthma inhaler cell phone cover case. <laughs> if, Jeez, if, we have, if you have never looked at our show notes before or followed a no, link please. in our show notes, start here. This is where you must begin. Uh, worried teenage girl in bedroom with pregnancy testing kit cell phone cover case. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Cheese wheel on, on batty <laughs> instead of table. <laughs> okay. Oh, look at that one. There's, okay. there's that's, that's good. I'm going to close that tab now. Yeah. Please go look at this. You go to 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 335. <laughs> Heroin, spoon, and syringe cell phone cover case. Mm. <laughs> that's for your birthday. That's for your birthday and Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Never, it's never too late to cry. Now, I did have a little follow up. If we have time, can I, so. can I just say one more? Go ahead, caller. When we can understand public transportation, <laughs> we can understand our sugar intake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> follow up. Well, one of our one of our ongoing topics for a while has been the ridiculous. Uh, PR related spam that we get. So I decided I, I, I something snapped inside of my heart and I decided oh, no. that I was done. I was just done and I wanted to, I wanted to, to take some kind of a stand against, against this. This, this, uh, this aggression will not stand, man. So I, I decided to research what can we do when there's no unsubscribed link. And the email is written as if it's a, an individual human being writing to me as opposed to just spam. I actually prefer just the newsletters because then I can use that little unsubscribe feature that, that iOS has. You just tap it and it automatically unsubscribes you. Or worst case, you can just find the link and click it and unsubscribe. And that's fine. I don't, I don't need the email back to tell me that I've unsubscribed, but that's fine too. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these emails come in and they're from an individual person and it starts out and says, hi, Dan, or hi, Dan Benjamin. Uh, I wanted to tell you, I'm, I'm a big fan of some podcast that you do. Yeah. And I wanted to tell you this, that, and the other thing. 
And then the rest of it is some kind of PR spam. Usually it's about a person who's written a book and they would be a great interview uh, person for you on a show, on this show or other shows. But <clears throat> excuse me, what I wanted to do was I wanted to find out what can we do when there isn't an unsubscribe link, but it's clearly spam. And so there, the Federal Trade Commission has some kind of like spam act of 2000, either three or 2009 Can't or something. Can't spam. Yeah. And Can't what, spam. What you do. You know what it's called? I think it is. Uh, and w- what you do is you can you there are very little that you can do first of all, but what you can do is you can forward the email to uce.gov so spam at uce.gov now what they actually do with that i don't know, but in theory they're going to become aware of that practice and potentially blacklist the uh the sender hmm. and the sender's email. Unsolicited commercial email. Right. So mm-hmm. I I have uh, I created a little text expander snippet that says, please do not email us again. Your email has been submitted to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission for blacklisting. It's also <laughs> been submitted to Google.com and MailRoute.net's blacklisting services. So I forward it to mm. each of those and I, I reply like that. Now, many of the people will actually, they'll see that. And then how they, long have you been, I'm sorry, how long have you been doing this? About a week. Oh God, no! Are so, you using your email or are you using the my personal? Okay. Oh, um, God. So oh, it, God. it's it's. I will say it's it's worked because uh, I've gotten a lot less email, but but I very rarely have anybody respond. Usually, when they respond, they say um, I have removed you. But one lady replied and said. Um, she had an attitude about it. And she's like, well, that's not a very nice thing to do. Uh, and, and I replied and I said, you're sending me unsolicited spam email. It's PR email. That's not a nice thing to do either. And, uh, and she said, um, she said, well, you must have a whole lot of time on your hands. Uh, if you're, uh, if you're taking the time out to do something like that. And hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't bother to reply, but she was clearly, uh, you know, she was clearly concerned, which she should have been. Yeah. But what the the information that she provided, she said, "Oh, I got you from," uh, and she I forget the name of it. I have to look it up. Oh, please do. Uh, but she said, "I got your email address off of such and such PR email list database list uh, <gasps> that that indicated that you were receptive to pitches." Oh, I wonder how that happened. And I wrote her back, and I said. Uh, I said, I'm not receptive to pitches of any kind ever, and uh, I don't know how I'm on that database or why I'm on the database, but just the fact that I'm on the database doesn't mean that you're not still violating the um, the, the anti-spam act because you're still sending the email, and she didn't have anything to say. That's like saying say I heard you like to be burglarized. <laughs> right. You're on a list that said uh, you I'm don't lock immune, your doors I, 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 so. Yeah, I was at the laundromat, and somebody <laughs> said, this guy, Danny, likes to be burglarized. Right. Should prove the negative, Yeah. butthole. Yeah. So, um... Oh, goodness, well... I'll have to look up... So I went... I, I looked up the name of the uh, of this this database. I'm going to have to uh, put it into the show notes. But... and Oh, uh, so, are you sure you want to do that, buddy? What? Put it in the show notes? Well, yeah. Should I not? Well, doesn't that then enable people to go find the database so they can then go bug people? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's I like guess. it's like putting a source to like, you know, like buying crack well, or something. You have to pay for the database. I mean, it's not, you can't just download it. Like it costs 
it costs money. I, I, got, I got two. I got two words for you, okay, Susan Roderick. Put. Susan Roderick. Let's get Susan on this. <laughs> We're going to bring in Susan. She is the fixer. You know, she eats these people for lunch. Yes. We should just. We should basically. I, I think she'd probably do it for free. Well, there is a form on this website that allows you to request that your information be removed from the database. <laughs> that's how they get you. And that's what I'm thinking is that like that's if you put you. your information in there, that they're mm-hmm. actually just adding you, that there is no removing. Right. That they're just going to – that that they're mining. So I don't, I don't yeah, know send what your, to do. Send your credit card so they can, you can leave a deposit. I mean I put my social in there. Was that bad? That's smart. Put the whole thing in. Okay. Put the whole thing in. Okay. Um, good for you. Please track that down, and let's get Susan on it. I, here's one I like. I like this one because you could not have written this one to be any more of a joke that we would make about these things than this. Dear Back to Work team, in my search for great podcasts, I came across Back to Work pod. I'm reading this. I'm not doing Dr. Nick. I'm reading how this is written, although I'm leaving out the lack of punctuation. In my search for great podcasts, I came across Back to Work podcast, title case, and was really impressed. I really, I really like the fact that Back to Work podcast is a great talk show about productivity, constraints, tools, and communication. And she wants to suggest Darius as a potentially excellent guest for your podcast. Please let me know <laughs> yeah, if this is of know. interest, and I can arrange a chat slash Skype with Darius to work through the practicalities. <laughs> if you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with either myself, you mean me, or Darius. I hope to hear him on your show in the near future. <laughs> Signed, personal assistant to Darius. <laughs> I think that Darius would be the perfect Planet of the Apes name. Oh, shit. Oh, that is good. <laughs> Darius, how is that not already a Planet of the Apes name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dr. Darius? Oh, my God. Oh, that's good. Dr. Darius. In my search for great podcasts, I came across Back to Work podcast and was really impressed. I really like the fact that Back to Work podcast is a great talk show about productivity, constraints, tools, and communication. I'd like to suggest Darius as a potentially excellent guest for your podcast. Please let me know if this is of interest and I can arrange a chat slash Skype with Darius to work through the practicalities. If you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with either myself, I think she means me, or Darius. I hope to hear him on your show in the near future. Personal assistant to Darius. (laughs) Title. I'll get right on that one. So I don't know, but I will tell you, it seems to. Now, do you want me to say the name of the site or should I not? I found it. Oh my God. I found it. Insert any other sensitive thing here and like, no. Okay. Well, send it to me. I will. I will vet this. All right. I'm going to email it to you. We'll bring it up. We'll bring it up with Darius. All right. I'm emailing it to you right now. There you go. (laughs) Darius. What? What'd you send it in? Just email. Email. I just emailed it. So that way you can refer to it later. I can't keep up with you. I'm clicking. Clicking. Oh, look at that. The site. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh God! Oh God! You, but the funny uh, thing is, see. you can actually add yourself to it. I really, well, you know what? Let's add a new profile. I would like totally to add agree. a new profile. To totally it. agree. Okay, you want to fill it in? You want you to do it? Let's do add a new profile. Okay. Your name is just Darius. <laughs> Are you going to put in her? <laughs> no, 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 no! This is for us. Oh. I want to see what we get out of this. Oh. 
and then we'll put in a throwaway email. Okay. So the name name is Darius. All right. The organization is Darius Myself. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to do a direct phone? No, I don't want my direct phone on there. But yeah, I, I think email. I think you, do I you think have a good throwaway prefers- email you can use? Hmm. We could always do the the Gmail trick, but I don't know if that'll work. I don't know either. Um, you could could you make a, a honeypot at five by five? Yeah, address? I, I could do that. It'll take me a few. Minutes. I don't want to do it on the show. We'll Why don't do you come after. back to this? Yeah, we'll so back. we'll come back to this and report back next week. I think the name your name is Darius. Yes, your organization is Darius Myself LLC. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, and I think you're Darius at five by five. <laughs> okay. Twitter handle. That's tricky because it would be fun to see if you got some some nasty oh, jazz Twitter, from that. Like weird Twitter followers, like robots or something. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Let me go see what I've got that we can use for a throwaway. Let's see if I got any oldies in here. I used to make lots of these. This is this is a good use of our time. I think so. Um, and a very good project. Okay, let's see. Twitter.com. Okay, let's see what we got here. Turns out, you could do turns out. Um, do I still have that? Turns underscore out. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, you know what? Just you could leave that off for now. And then I would say, like, you know, oh, how and when to contact you. How, when does Darius like to be contacted, do you think? Early morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darius is an early riser. Yeah, he's up at 5 a.m. doing his meditation. He's, he's got, and he's got to get going on his influencing, yes. his productivity hacks. Yeah. He does more well, okay. before 7 than most of us do in the whole day. He's like the army. Yep. Could you or your assistant um, pass this along and please get this uh, at the website uh, filled out? Definitely. Okay. <sighs> Darius. Darius. What else do I have in here? Okay. Um, I have uh, from listeners. Oh, my God. We've watched so much Lord of the Rings. Have we you? Binged, we binged the Hobbit movies three nights in a row because my, my wife and my kid read The Hobbit, and uh, now they're in Fellowship of the Rings. It's so fun. It's so, it's so fun to be the nerd in the house who has never read any of that stuff. And like for my, for my – family to know so much more about lord of the rings than i do it makes me so happy no that's not thorin that's thorin's father thornton or whatever like oh right thorin oakenfold paul oakenfold what's his name (laughs) that's not funny that's not even a joke um and then we watched uh we watched the first one the first uh lotr that's a good which one. Which I have the extended version of, and it, it uh, <laughs> clocks in in a tight and bright three, three hours and 40 minutes. Oh, my God. How much time is added from over the She's, regular? My daughter goes, Dad, why do you keep buying the extended version? And I was like, I don't know. It feels like more value. More wizards. How, ma- how many minutes is that longer than the original? I don't know. Well, last night, I watched the first two hours of Watchmen last night, and I have the, uh, which I love. I love that movie more. Shame on everybody who doesn't like that movie. That's a good movie. I love that movie. And uh, yeah, I got like two hours in, and I still had an hour, because it's the director's cut. Mm. I think Zack Snyder, the more bad movies he puts out, the more I think we can really appreciate Watchmen. It's a very loving movie in a lot of ways. How so? Oh, you know, I mean, like, he changed the ending and stuff in a way that lots of people got mad about. But, like, if you just get it out of your stupid brain for a minute that it's not the comic book and appreciate it on its own terms, it's a really fun movie. I have uh, defended this movie before. Not very well. 
But the reason I thought of it is for my daughter, who loves uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, really wants to see it. Are you getting that thing on Netflix where it like plays a little trailer now? Absolutely hate it. It was bad enough when they introduced Infinite Scrolling a few weeks ago. Yeah. Where like there's no bottom or end to anything anymore, and like you can't just flip to get somewhere. Oh, I hate that. But now, and there's no, I can't find any way to turn it off. Well, the, you, you go, you click, you, you click can't on, turn it off. You cannot be. Uh, see, this is the downside of being like the the fix it computer guy. Is your family? I came home one day, and my whole family's like, Dad. Uh, the Netflix is doing this thing and we just wanted to stop and please make it stop and we can't we can't do it anymore and it, it just keeps it I'm like what are you guys talking about like look and so I saw exactly it, well, what we're describing about. here not on every single piece of media but especially on newer things and movies like you're flipping around you flip 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 you stop on Rogue One you see an image from Rogue One and within a few seconds it starts playing Essentially, like the kind of thing you'd see on a DVD home screen. Yes, exactly. Scenes from the movie and music, and it's like, no, I never want to see scenes from the movie. No, no, don't do that. I show me the star, but like, don't show me what happens in the movie. You can't stop it from playing. You can't mute it. You can't do any of that. And you can have that in Plex, where Plex will play the theme music for a TV show when you do that. But I flip that off. Yeah, flip that off instantly. The first thing I did is turn that off. Started because uh, my daughter really she loves Benedict Cumberbatch. She really wants to watch the Imitation Game, which I'm thinking is probably mostly okay. The thing that would have been upsetting to parents 20 years ago is not upsetting to her. The sad part, you know, is going to be describing what they did to him. That's very very sad. Right. I find that ridiculously sad. Oh my God, what we did to that man. Um, but uh, the guy, his 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 uh, his kind of uh, what nemesis his frenemy uh, is played by the guy who's uh osmondius in watchman oh really matthew, i think his name is matthew good and he's very handsome and he has a much more consistent accent in uh <laughs> the alan turing movie Ozzy's Oz- uh accent kind of moves around a lot in watchman oh yeah look at that guy matthew william good look how handsome that guy is i would love to look like that look at that guy mm, hold on i'm pulling up a g-o-o-d-e Matthew Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know him. He's handsome. Yeah. He had a very silly wig in Watchmen. The blonde wig, right? Yes. Yeah. I felt I felt like he was miscast in that. I do, too. Uh, I think he should have been... I mean, he had a kind of like Eddie Redmayne vibe in that. Yeah. Yep. Kind of a little too gentle for that character. I think it should have been somebody more like prepossessing. Right. Maybe a well, little the, taller. In, and, in the comics, he was supposed to be one of the strongest and most physically fit and you know yeah. he he was he was kind of a captain america esque like the at the peak of physical human physical capabilities without yes being superhuman in, enhanced and i did not think that that was portrayed accurately in in the movie where he he seemed very nimble and athletic in that sense but he didn't seem physically imposing well, he was, yeah, he's really fast, but he, but no, I just mean even when he's walking around just being Adrian, yeah. I don't think he had the, as they used to say, gravitas mm. uh, for it. Mm-hmm. Who would I fantasy cast for that? Mm-hmm. Boy, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's good in that though, uh, as a comedian. Yep. Oh boy, he's good in that. When I first saw the preview for that, I mistakenly thought that it was Robert Downey Jr. for like the first five minutes, because I didn't know who Jeffrey oh. Dean Morgan was when I first saw, and honestly- 
Robert Downey Jr. could have played the comedian pretty well, I think, if he wasn't already doing Iron Man. But, That's true. He would have been good in that. But I, I thought I thought uh, JDM was awesome in that. Oh, he's so good. In he's in The Good Wife. If you bulky. want more of him, go watch The Good Wife. He's also on The Walking Dead, yep. he's much more slender. He's a very, very handsome man. Yeah, I like his, uh, his sort of gruff intellectualism. Mm. That's what I aspire to. Learn how to skin a deer and dance with a goat like no one's watching. Yeah. Hundred hacks every man should know. Where's my bell? My goddamn bell. Oh, there you are. Here's Belly. Hello, Belly. I love you, Belly. Uh, hour eight. I, um, I have listener feedback that I would like to answer. Two questions from listener. Shall I proceed, or did you want to tell me about something else that you like? Let me tell you about Squarespace, and then Hell I can yeah, Squarespace. hear about Squarespace. your next thing. I like a good Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace is a place you go to build a website. A website can be pretty much anything you want it to be. It could be a place you go to sell things because they have a built-in e-commerce engine, everything you want there. They, they make uh, galleries beautiful, photo galleries. You can host your podcast there. You can host your, uh, your album there if you're an artist. I mean, it, whatever you want to do, they make it super, super easy to do it. And you can also get a domain name there. Why not get a unique domain Right there. It's all in one place. They even have a little logo maker for you if you're uh, starting up a business. Whatever it is that you want to do, they make it easy. They've got these beautiful templates. So you can scroll through those and design the entire look and feel and interaction of your website without having to do any HTML, without having to do any CSS, without really having to do anything other than move a few sliders and click a few buttons and you're completely customizing the way that your website works. And when you want to start putting stuff onto your website, oh, you want, how do I get an image up there? Well, you just drag it and drop it. How do I change layout? You just drag it and drop it. It couldn't be more simple. It couldn't be easier. And don't forget, once you're done creating the website, you're going to want to go and continue to add content into the website, whether that's in the form of blog posts or videos or uh, other things. They make it super easy to continue to update and maintain the website. And that's super important for people who maybe don't want to spend time building a website or who don't know how and don't want to learn how. Uh, if that's not your forte, if that's not your thing, if that's not what's making you your income or your money or bringing you joy, leave it to Squarespace because they're going to make it perfect. They're going to make it awesome and uh, they're going to make it easy for you to do. So they have a special deal for our listeners. Go to squarespace.com and the offer code you're going to want to use is it's your show, all one word, it's your show to get 10% off your first purchase. And also just visiting Squarespace and using that code will get you uh, a, a secret club membership of uh, mm -hmm. I'm a supporter of Back to Work. So, so it's a secret even we don't know about. I don't even know how to do it. Well, I guess I do. You use the, It's your show. You get 10% off at squarespace.com. So go check it out. Thanks very much to Squarespace for their ongoing support and for making it so easy to make stuff on the web. Thanks, Squarespace. Puck, puck. What you, what you got? This is shorty, but uh, it's uh, it's related to something we've we've been talking about lately, uh, which is calendars. I think it's a pretty fast one, but it's worth reiterating. Listener Brian says, "I have a calendar question. How do you recommend handling events when you need to differentiate between the time you want to arrive uh -huh. and yes. the time an event starts? Right. For example, a kid's program uh, that begins at seven. But you need to arrive to get the kid ready at 6.30. But you still want to reflect on the calendar that the show starts at 7. So if someone asks when it starts, you know it starts at 7, not 6.30. Currently, I'm adding an additional event called Arrive at Event at the time I want to arrive. Seems there should be an easier way. Very good question, listener Brian. 
I think it's it's clear enough, and I think that could go for lots of things. We've talked about this. Like, okay, so if if there's a party that you can't, that doesn't, well, let's say there's something or an event where it's you can't get in before this time and you have to leave by this time. Like, what do you put on your calendar? You know, do you include prep time? Do you include travel time? You know, if you're going to dinner, like, do you think of that as one big event? Do you call it date and make it four and a half hours long? Like, how do you decide to do that? Um, I don't know. I, I think that's a good question, and I have an answer for that. I think it's a great question. I would love to hear your answer. Um, as I have stipulated in the past, I am – well, the, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is pick one way and then stick with it, but be smart in the way that you implement it, right? That's the key thing. The key thing is get your mind right about how you've decided to do this and then never – never do it differently or you will lose your mind. Hmm. With that said, I think there are smart ways to do it. I'll tell you what I do. I do not include things like travel and prep time in the event just because that's how I roll. Uh, I want to know what the hard edges are. So if I have something that goes, if it's a party that goes for two hours from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., that's what I put on there. I do not put travel time. I do not put prep time on there. There might very there might be times like for me prep time if it's like for a trip that's going to be more of like a to do or a set of to dos if it's something like get kid to put their shoes on for ninety minutes like you could make that a separate event that's not a bad thing to do and you know I will do things like if it's travel that day like call for a cab at this time as a reminder uh, so personally I do I do not include those but that's just my personal preference um, you could try it out uh, what I would say though is whatever you decide. Um, Account for the truth <laughs> in whatever it is you're putting on there. So if you want to include travel time, if it's an event that technically exactly goes as an event from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., but you want to put an hour of travel time in front and an hour of travel time in the back, that's okay. Uh, you can do that. But then always do that, right? right? Going forward, like always do it that way. But with that said, I would also, in the notes field that is generously provided – in a calendar event, put in what the real time is. And any, of course, anything else like, you know, remember to bring a covered dish. That's probably not the best place to put that. But, you know, whatever the thing is that you, anything you need to know about, like stop trusting your brain to remember those things, right? So why am I beating this into the ground? Because there are people who just do it whatever. They'll just go slap a one-hour event up, even if that has no relationship to what's involved in preparation travel, how long the event is, because that's just their mental model. Two-ish, this thing will happen. Uh, ah, don't do that. Like, pick a way and then be consistent with it, and here's why. You know, you should always, always plan and record your events as though you will forget that it exists and why it exists. Do this. Don't wait to be 50 to start doing this. Start treating yourself like a dummy today. So that means if you – let's say you say, uh, okay, we've just uh, – I do an annual Skype call with somebody for this. If you're going to put it on next year's, like, you know what? Say it's a Skype call. Have the person's handle in there. Say what it is. And then, you know, if there's any chance you'll forget what it is you're going to be talking about, put that in there as well. But make it so that, remember, always treat this like stuff that will have to be canceled in a moving car on the way to the emergency room. Be ready to look at everything you've written down. So it really benefits you, above all else, to be picky about what you put on your calendar. But when you do put it on your calendar, be consistent in how you do it. Treat yourself by having subject lines that give you a lot of information and note fields that support that. So in this case, you could say, uh, what's the example they give here? My kids program, um, kids program seven to eight. And then, but you could even say like in parentheses, leave at six or mm-hmm. leave at 6.30. However works for you, but like try to make it so you don't have to process any of this information more than once. 
and that will make you a happy person. I like that, and this is a but this is a real thing. I think this is a real good concern, and it's something I've thought about too. How, how you record these things? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's hard enough to do <clears throat> on our own. But right? you're right about. I think what you said is genius about the consistency of it, though, and that that's you know because. Like right now, our show is going to go for approximately 90 minutes, so I know to block off that amount of time, and I'm busy during that time. But that's so different from uh, if I have to go to my kid's school for a parent-teacher conference that starts at 2. Well, it doesn't really start at 2 for me. It starts earlier. What I've done to do this isn't to build in and and I I think the problem that the listener is trying to address is what about showing myself as busy to other people Bec- oh I see and I'm maybe I'm reaching for this but because like for me if I have a thing at my kids school and I'm 15 minutes away I will set reminders for myself uh earlier and the reminder for the event won't actually be five minutes beforehand it will be 30 minutes beforehand and then another maybe 15 minutes beforehand because i know myself and i know that i'll look at the clock and the thing will go off and i'll say i don't have to i don't have to leave yet but i know that it's going to take me 15 minutes to get there so at at quarter till i better get that second thing that makes me run out the door um but you know, am I busy for that 30 or 15 minutes beforehand? Well, no. And I guess I could even maybe have a phone call while I was driving to it in some situations, especially if it's a longer drive, <clears throat> then I would be able to have a phone call. So do I really want to appear as unavailable? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. So if you're using reminders, then it, you're kind of circumventing the show is busy thing. But in some cases, maybe you actually are busy. Uh, but then, you know, so that's that's the tricky part is how do you convey that to other people that, yes, I have a meeting from yes. two to three. But if you were just to look at my schedule on a shared calendar and say, oh, I can schedule something with Dan that ends at, you know, five to two because he's available. Well, no, I'm I'm in the car at one forty five. So I see. I see. That makes sense. I don't know what the answer for that is. Though. Well, but you know what? You're right. And I see what you're saying. But I haven't even I think I have a complimentary angle to that. Well, I. So when I used to talk more about productivity stuff and thinking about especially task management, uh, I, I've always had a paradigm in my head, uh, once I got my mind right, for thinking about how to capture a task. And so like once something passes out of your inbox and goes into a place where it is now a thing that you are doing, this is what here's how I would describe a good way to title, to name your task. Write, name that task as though you're going to be assigning it to a fairly intelligent personal assistant who mostly understands what you do, All right? Even though it's only you that will see it. Mm-hmm. Act like you are explaining it to somebody who's okay smart, but like you want to make sure there's no need to check back in with you. Because guess what? You are that assistant. Six months from now, you're going to be that person. And just trust me on this one. When something pops up that says meeting eight to noon, and you're like, what? What is, what is this? What is meeting? Like, no, no, don't worry. Like, oh, the, the really brilliant version of you six months ago thought, oh, of course, I will never forget what this thing is. But instead, like, if you, for your tasks and your events and your all of this stuff, your email subjects, like, put the stuff that's important in there. Like, put meaningful things in there. And so here's the other thing, why I say this is complimentary. If somebody does need to schedule you there, 
You know, you could even include in the field, like, hey, I'll be driving from Houston for this. So something like that. But, you know, I guess I just feel like it's such an old man thing, but you can't go wrong by taking a little bit, it's sort of a major twice cut once thing. Mm. We're like, be smart about how you do this stuff up front and then get crazy consistent about it and right. your life will get so much better. Just look for, look for, look for consistencies and economies of scale everywhere you can. For example, every device that I have, and I, I go in and periodically check to make sure this is the case, my default, I try to have my default reminders for events all be exactly the same on all of my devices. Um, and I try not to have all of them pushing notifications to me. Like usually I'll have one that's like the master of notifications on something. But like, for example, like you don't want to be creating in, in this app, it reminds you an hour before. In this app, it reminds you five minutes before. In this app, it reminds you two and a half hours before. In this app, it reminds you a day before. Because then it will be boing, 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 boing. You're just going to have stuff popping up all over the place. Instead, like have it set so that you know, like for me, I know that at uh, usually it's nine o'clock every morning. I get a bunch of reminders. Ding, 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 ding. By design, 9 o'clock is when I want to get all my ding, ding, ding reminders. Uh-huh. And that goes, <laughs> you've got this thing coming in two days. You've got this thing later today. You've got that. You've got that. And I'll just go swipe through them. What I don't want is to have those things popping up. Because then you're going to start going numb. You're going to stop. Tur- you're going to like turn them off. Mm-hmm. Especially if they pop up with things like, in two days, you have meeting. Right. Useless. It's completely useless. And, and like before you decide that you are immune to this advice because you're so great about it, like do yourself a proper and like double down on getting really smart about how you name these things. And then lavish information on yourself in that notes field, links to things that might be related. Like you only have to do that once, right? And you're going to save yourself so much hassle. And if anybody has to deal with you and deal with your calendar, like let's say, God forbid, you have a health crisis tomorrow and go down. Like if your if your calendar is just full of four hours of meeting every day, how would they even know like who to contact? It's no way to live. No way to live at all. Our thanks to listener Brian for his question. Good listener. Good question. Good listener. I could do one more. It's not too long. Can yeah. I do one more? Yeah, I love that. Listener Aaron. Now, now this is kind of an uh, oldie but moldy, but I think it's worth talking about because it's it's a perennial pounce on productivity. Uh, listener Aaron says, "I'm someone who has trouble maintaining habits." From starting work at the right time or taking a daily walk, how do you start and maintain a new habit? Yeah. I have very, very plain spoken advice about this, but I think it's worth repeating because every day somebody's born who's never seen the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what is, what is your, plain, your plain text advice? My plain text advice, dot .md, is um, you know how it is with me. Um, one of the things is like, have a really clear understanding in your mind about what it is you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, if that is something like take a walk, understand a little bit about your motivation for that, a little bit about your time schedule for that. Take a walk, I think is a terrific habit to start building, not just because I happen to be a walker, but because there's a lot about taking a walk that represents what I will call a doable habit. It's very, it is very specific. Like we know how to walk, we know how to go places, Right. So, so like my first, the first piece of advice would be like, understand why you're doing what you're doing and understanding why, it, why it's not already a habit in your life. That's a lot to ask, I know. Right. But whenever people say they have trouble forming a habit, I think the first, like, how do I get better? Well, the first question is, well, why isn't it already a habit? Because if it was a good idea, you'd already be doing it. Well, because reasons. All right. Well, be aware of those reasons. See also New Year's uh, resolutions. So when you're picking something, though, I would pick something that is reasonable 
doable and quantifiable, setting aside the obvious, which is desirable. But in that case, like, okay, so walking, that's a reasonable thing to want to do. Is that doable? Yeah, it's pretty doable. I might have to drive somewhere, then take a walk, depending on where I live. Yeah, I could do that. But also have it be quantifiable. Well, what, what is what is walk? Well, walk is I am in motion <clears throat> mostly for at least 15 minutes, however long you pick. Why 15 minutes? Because like, you should also have an idea in your mind about when you haven't reached it. If you didn't do it at all, well, then you failed at that today. You didn't do your habit. Um, but if you didn't do it as much as you would like, that's good to know too because then you go back to the beginning and you say like, okay, is this doable? Well, if I'm having this much trouble doing it every day, I have to either look at my motivation like, do I really want to do this? Will I cancel other things to do this? Do I really want this thing to happen? And then, like, if I'm not doing it as long as I want, like, well, am I scheduling this at the right time? That's why you fail at habits is because you don't put the infrastructure in place right. and understand the motivation. So if you know it's something that's reasonable, doable, and quantifiable, I think it's valuable to pick – this is where the quantifiable becomes important – to set a goal, either a goal that's very sane – for when and how often you will do it or not do it, or pick a day on which you will sunset slash uh, reevaluate what you're working on. So why am I saying this? How, how is this for a goal? Go from, <clears throat> I want to walk more, to I'm going to walk at least 15 minutes every day for the next week. I love that goal. Mm-hmm. I love that habit. Because mm-hmm. like, there's so much to bet. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you, like, if you're trying to, like, you know, quit drugs, you have to know from the beginning that it's cold turkey and you'll never do it again. I don't think that's reasonable for most things. I think it also sets you up for procrastination and a feeling of failure. Instead, you say, like, my goal is, like, I, you know, once I have walked for 15 minutes for seven contiguous days, I will be on the path to what I want to do. It, it might not be a habit yet, but you'll prove to yourself that you can do it. Right, Because it's reasonable, it's doable, it's quantifiable. You want to do it. You're motivated to do it. And there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You could always say, uh, this sucks. I actually don't like going to the gym, but I made this deal with myself, so I'm going to finish it. Right? I'm going to eat my existential vegetables. And then you can decide, hey, once I've done that for seven days, I can knock it off. Right. And I have, t- I have two sort of uh, implementation suggestions for this. Um, one is that if... If and where possible, whatever habit you're trying to build that involves doing something as against not doing something, if it's anything that you can do and you can do it earlier in a day rather than later, do it early, especially the first few days. If it's a walk and you can do it before you go to work, that's awesome. If you can do it during a morning break, still pretty good. If you can do it before lunch, very, very good. If you get to the end of your first day and you still haven't taken that walk, be advised like you're on the wrong path like you want to get those notches on your belt as fast as possible so i'd say when you can now you can't always do this and if it's something you're trying to quit rather than start that's really hard because you don't get that mark until midnight but in any case like i would say try and make it a priority to do that and get it done early in the day and then the other final implementation tip is i I have an app i like okay uh called streaks and it's an app that you can use for precisely this kind of thing you can, it'll even automate things. It'll work with your Fitbit. It'll do like, make sure I'm getting this many stand hours. Um, I want to make sure I floss my teeth every day. Right. You know, I get a reminder to, to walk for 20 minutes every day. I don't always do it, but and then it shows you a little calendar and shows you what your streak is. Like how far have you gotten with this? And I think that can be very motivating. Just getting that first one on there is huge. Getting three on there without a break, having nine days where there's only two days you didn't do it. 
you didn't fully succeed maybe, but like that's better than where you were before. And like now you have some bases to keep at it. I like that. I, I think, Habit building. You know, I think we've talked about habits so much because it's such a good topic and because habits, forming habits are so hard and keeping habits going are very hard for most, if not all, I think for all people. Um, you know, and that comes well, down and- to everything because if you think about it, like the way the way that you sleep is related to habit, the way that you eat and, and how often you eat out and everything else is... All of these are kind of mental and, and in many cases, physical habits too. And it's so and they hard. All require, they all require infrastructure. They all require both a change in your own attitude, but also that you – it isn't always going to be supplies, but it does mean preparation. I get a reminder every night at 10 right. o'clock to start getting ready to go to sleep. Right. I told my Fitbit at 10 o'clock, I want you to remind me. Even if I go to bed at midnight, every night at 10, I still – I want to look get that and look at it every night. Because that's telling me something. And I'm going to keep that up because it's worth being annoyed about that. Right. But I also feel like I, I, I know it, it sounds like a kind of ha-ha funny cocktail talk. But I, the part about, you know, why you haven't succeeded in the past, talking about why it's not a habit already, I'm not trying to be clever. I'm saying that's genuinely the biggest thing for you to address in this entire thing. Whatever it is you want to do, whatever you aspire to do in life – that you feel like should be done, you have to ask yourself why isn't already why isn't it already done? That don't dismiss that question. Like, prom, I promise you, if you just turn that over in your mind a little bit, why isn't this already done? Well, it's not done because I just found out that it's even a thing I could do. Okay, fair. Well, it's not done because I never tried that hard. Mm, okay, that's interesting. You know, is it maybe not done because you just don't care? Because you know, until you overcome that hurdle. Of like, you know, when you, again, let's go back to brushing your teeth. Why aren't you brushing your teeth every day? Well, it's life is complicated. Well, that's, you need to find some motivation to make that something where like for a, a, an admirable amount of Americans, brushing your teeth is not something you have to beat yourself up about. It's just a thing that you do. Um, so, I mean, I feel like people are very quick to overlook that combination of like motivation and like real talk about why they aren't already doing something they know is valuable. Because, you know, you can't really get good at this until you realize why you're not already good at it. You're not already good at it because of a myriad number of reasons that you're just going to keep sliding past as long as you think that the world is out to get you, you know, because you're not a CEO yet or whatever. Habits, Dan. Habits. Habits. Habits for humanity. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. I was also going to talk about, we talked about Inspire, about five years of Hawkeye this, this, this week. Oh, it's yeah. fifth anniversary of Hawkeye coming out. I'm liking the Unstoppable Wasp, although apparently she was quite stoppable, according to Marvel, but I'm really enjoying that. Our sponsors this week were Squarespace and Mac Weldon. Yep. One last time, Dan, where can people find show notes for this episode? 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 335. A lot of codes to type. Codes. That's where you go. And and next week, hopefully, it is hoped, when we uh, come back... Uh, we'll also be recording later next week because of some scheduling uh, things. Right. But when we record, that gives us plenty of time to get our Darius account set up. Yeah, it'll be ready to go. And I just want to be clear here, as we wrap this, we are not putting the titular Darius onto a list. We are adopting his name for our new fake organization. Right. It's very different. It's called Darius Myself LLC? Yes, that's what I have in mm-hmm. my notes. <laughs> uh-huh. A Texas LLC. It could be, yeah. Or I mean, we might want to we might want to do it in uh, Delaware, Nevada, or Delaware, yeah, Delaware, Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. All right, let's button this up. All right, okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. <laughs>